I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know who I am, I know God's plan, I'll follow Him in faith. I believe in the Savior Jesus Christ, I'll honor His name. I'll do what is right, I'll follow His light, His truth I will proclaim. Well, that's a little different start for our podcast tonight. Hi, folks. It's um, uh, Notes from John. With a babble from Bon. On Sunday night, uh, December the 9th, 2018. And Merry Christmas to you all. It's not, it's not Christmas just yet. Well, it's no, but it's Christmas times. Yes. I mean, you can't go anywhere without Christmas hearing Christmas, uh, these uh, Christmas songs da, da, all over the place. Da, da. Yeah, I like that one. You'll have to sing that next week. Christmas time is near. Okay, well, a- anyway, uh, as we begin tonight, we'd like to give a shout out to uh, two of our kids and their spouses, and that is Josh and Kelly and Emily and Eric. And the shout-out is because they understand, with teenagers in their house, the importance of having those teenagers get a job. And work. Learn, yeah, learn the value of work and becoming uh, independent to the extent that they're able, even though those parents can easily take care of all of their financial needs They've encouraged them and directed them to get jobs. That's Josh and Bo, and good for them. No, it's Dallin and Bo. Oh, yeah. You did the same thing yeah, I did. How about, how about Dallin and Bo, not That's Josh right. and Bo? That's right, Dallin and Bo, and it's such a great um, being able to teach them responsibility, how to budget their money, how to save. So... It's a great thing. Yeah, it is. And way to go, Josh and Kelly and Emily and Eric for for having your boys do that and that they've good for them too for having decided to be able to to get this job where they are doing some janitorial work at a junior high school. Not the most exciting or pleasant work in the world, but I'm proud of them for for doing that and for their parents understanding the value of work okay. and a, getting a job. That's right. And I know that that's gonna, that'll happen as well for uh, Melissa's kids and, and Julie and Becky's kids when, as they get older. They all understand the value of that. They all worked uh, when they were uh, teenagers and understood the importance of that. And Even though they didn't like it at times. Though, yeah, that is true. And they missed out on some things because of work, but that's just part of life. You were right. Yes, I am. Okay, so uh, tonight I've just been contemplating and pondering what we ought to share with you tonight. And one of the things I would like our grandchildren, my own children, and our missionaries to know and um, to be able to incorporate to, uh, are some important principles about faith. Oh, you want one of these? So I want to recognize and acknowledge that, of course, today and uh, 
throughout the history of the church, there are people that have had struggles with faith. Well, that's true for any religion. There are people that have struggled with elements of faith throughout the ages. And that's nothing new to, uh, to our church or any other Christian religion because uh, struggles with faith have been common. And um, I've had my own struggles with faith. I don't know that you've ever had any, Bonnie, have you? Oh, I've had questions, and it's okay to have questions, and I wonder once in a while, but I've, I've always just believed. I've always just known that there was a Heavenly Father and a Savior. I know you have, and I, I, my own personal belief, you have the gift of faith. You've just always known, kind of like my, my mother had the gift of faith. Well, one day when I was a teenager, I, I, uh, I asked my mom, got to remember mom had 13 children and uh, uh, she was a remarkable woman but but fairly quiet and um, you know certainly not a a strong leader by any means but an amazing woman in many many ways but I asked her one day I said mom have you ever asked Heavenly Father in prayer if Jesus Christ is his son or if they ever really appeared to Joseph Smith. And my mom's answer was, I've never needed to. I've always known. Well, that's the gift of faith. I was not blessed with the gift of faith. I remember my sister calling me one day and saying, how do you know? How do, it's just amazing. How do you know that these things are true? I just... I have to work on it. I have to study and ponder and pray about it. And I, it's still hard for me. How do you know? And I, I guess I'm like your mom. I just never questioned it. I've just always believed. I guess you have. Well, I guess I have. Okay, so I, I, I know that uh, for those of us that don't have the gift of faith, uh, there are times in our lives when we can really have a faith crisis where we, we come to a point where we're really seriously challenging what we've been taught all of our lives as children and growing up, and, uh, and we've got to ultimately find out for ourselves. We can't rely on the faith and testimony of others all of our lives. Um, Excuse me. And, and it's just important for us to be able to figure out how we can work our way through this faith crisis. Well, I want to just share with you some thoughts that, that we have about how you might consider doing that. And that this relates specifically to faith regarding our testimony in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as the only true church on the face of the earth today, and that our claims uh, with regard to it being the restored church of Jesus Christ are true. And, um, and that th that faith is really the center of, of our lives. And it, <laughs> if it's the center of our lives and we start having some serious doubts about that faith, we've got some issues we got to take care of. But I also like that it's not just been restored, it's still being restored with new revelations and, and changes that are coming all the time with uh, our prophet, Russell M. Nelson, who is really motivated to 
get things done. Progressive. Progressive. That's the word. Yeah. Well, uh, so I, I used to teach our missionaries uh, when we were in, in New Jersey that uh, when when the time comes that one begins to question their faith, question the things that they've been taught and that they have perhaps professed to believe um, in the past, that they've got to find a safe place. I, it, it, the reason for my thinking on that is because when we would have missionaries that had uh, some serious emotional difficulties in the mission field, uh, one of the things that the, uh, the psychiatrist that dealt with some of them taught me was that it was important for these young men and women that are having emotional difficulties to be able to find a safe place in their mind. So he would try to help them uh, relax and uh, be able to just ponder and reflect quietly uh, with him and get to a place in their mind where they felt safe where they felt peace. And wherever that was, it could, it could be a, a memory of a, of a place on a beach. It could be, a, I don't know, a place or somewhere around their home or at some a special place that they really loved. With a friend? With, with a family. friend or somebody else, yeah. Um, so it, the importance of finding this safe place to help them work through periods of anxiety, periods of depression, and other kind of challenges. So I, I think that same principle holds when we're not, it's not just emotional problems that you can do that with, but it's faith problems. So when, we're, when we get to a problem with faith, seems to me we ought to be able to uh, look for and find a safe place. Because it is kind of scary when even though you think you have this great faith and you believe and and things um you're told that you question and wonder about and you think wow i need to go to my safe place or find that peace in my heart that what i believe is is truly what i believe well let me share with you what uh, we're is my safe place, and what I would teach our missionaries was there uh, was a possibility for them as well, and and it was taught to me by my mission president Paul H. Dunn, and I've never forgotten it. It made such an impact in my life uh, as a you know a twenty year old. And it also made an impact on the missionaries. It really helped them, and it's helped our children. Yeah, that's true, and others. Uh, so that, in one of our zone conferences, he went to the board and he drew, uh, he says, I'm going to draw a, a target and it's going to have, you know, several rings on the target. So in, first off, he drew the, the bullseye mark and then he drew another ring around the bullseye and then he drew another ring around that and then he drew another ring. You can't see me, but I can... Using yes, I was my arms say, to using your arms to make a circle. Make a circle. So just vision that in your mind. Yeah. So you've got this this <clears throat> bullseye target on the board, and he said, 
um, we're going to say and identify our bullseye as things that you must know. And then things in the, in the next uh, circle outside of the bullseye, things that you need to know. And then in the third ring, things that are nice to know. And then fourth, the fourth big ring, things that are really stupid to know, as he called it. Hmm. Um, yeah, and and so then he defined what things would belong in each of those categories. So in the, in the must-know bullseye part of the target, there were three main points. One, that we must know that God our Father lives and that he loves us. Two, we must know that Jesus Christ is his son. And he worked out the infinite atonement for all mankind. And then three, that the Father and the Son appeared to the prophet Joseph Smith in the, uh, in the grove of trees. In other words, that the first vision was real. It really happened. Because if it did not happen, then Joseph Smith was not a prophet. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not true. And, um, and the, book, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon isn't true. None of it's true. If, if that first vision didn't happen, Joseph isn't a prophet. And, and, um, and everything that we're teaching about that is wrong. Right. However, if Joseph Smith did see the Father and the Son, then he was a prophet. And what he brought forth as a result of that first vision was of God. And everything that flowed um, following that was from God as well. So our must-know area, God lives, that he loves us, that Jesus Christ is his Son, our Savior and Redeemer, and that he worked out the infinite atonement and that the Father and the Son appeared in person to the prophet Joseph Smith. Now, because that's the bullseye, that's the very center, the very heart of this target, we have to start there. Because if we can't come to a, a testimony and faith, in knowing that these things are true, then we got a problem. We've got to be able to do all we can in, in terms of study, prayer, actions, the way we live our lives, to find out and know, are those things true? Does God really live? Was Jesus Christ really his son? And did he actually do what the scriptures and, and our prophets tell us he did? And did the first vision really occur? And that's why we sang that song at the very beginning. I believe in the Savior Jesus Christ. 
and that we are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, and He loves us. Absolutely, sweetheart. Thank you. So that's our, our target, our bull's, bullseye part of the target, the must-know. Okay, let's go to the second uh, ring, and that is what we call the need-to-know area. Now, these are important uh, things that are, are, you know, very necessary for us, but they're not quite as important as the must-know. Because if you don't have the, if you don't know the must-know areas, you don't even get to the need-to-know areas. So, um, just to, I, I just jotted down, I'm reading from a little sheet here that uh, uh, I prepared before we started tonight, and um, I wrote down, you could write some others. Uh, this isn't, doesn't, in, I don't pretend that this to be all-inclusive of everything that should be here and the need to know, but one, I think we need to know the, na the true nature of God, that he has a body, parts, and passions, that the Godhead is made up of three individual personages, and, um, and that they love us, that they know us, and have a, a desire for us to be happy and successful. We need to know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. We need to know that we have a prophet and 12 living apostles on the earth today. We need to know that the priesthood of God has been restored to the earth. We need to know that the Book of Mormon and the Bible, but especially the Book of Mormon, is the Word of God. And that's where it comes in that Joseph Smith is a prophet and he wrote and translated the Book of Mormon, then that is a true book. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, next, we need to know that revelation is essential and is occurring today. We need to know and understand the importance of temples and why they are so important and significant in our lives and the lives of our departed loved ones. And then the final one I put down here is we need to, we need to know that the family is ordained of God and that that's our primary focus here is to strengthen families, to bless the lives of our family members. And uh, there's a proclamation on the family that was presented by the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve several years ago that is just outstanding, um, a proclamation to the world concerning the family and its importance. And um, I, I really would encourage each of you as parents to review that document with your children um, whenever you, you, know, you find the appropriate time to do so and then help to reinforce the principles that are taught in that proclamation. I love that proclamation. I also uh, love that, that the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints members make Christ the center of their home and that family is the center of all uh -huh. that goes on. So it's important then, uh, we've talked about the, the must-know areas, we've just identified things that we could include in the need-to-know area. We really need to know those things in order to move forward. But all of those things in the need-to-know area, they're all dependent upon the must-know 
If you don't know the must-know areas, you're never even going to get to the need-to-know areas. That's right. So let's go to the third ring. This is the nice-to-know. So it's clearly, it's not as, it's important, but not as important as the first two. These things aren't going to necessarily save us. But if we, if we have the must know and the need to know, and then that translates into appropriate action, then uh, those two areas are the critical ones. But it's nice to know that helps us to be able to walk the covenant path more effectively and to um, strive to be like the Savior more, more completely. And when you say covenant path, that means the covenants that we have made in the when we were baptized and when we were in the temple. We make the covenants in the temple and then we go home to keep them. Yes, we do. Okay, so the, uh, the nice-to-know area, again, you, can, you could come up with your own number of nice-to-know things, but these are the ones I jotted down. It's nice to know church history. That's helpful. It's... It's... What? Never mind. <laughs> Nothing, never mind. So that we jotted down. Oh, that we, I'm sorry, we jotted down. She's right. Uh, another thing that's nice to know are the names of our church leaders and who they are, some of their background, perhaps. It's nice to know about the church organization and how it's been developed over the, over the years. It's nice to know uh, the plan of salvation. I mean, that, that kind of borders on need to know. Yes. But just knowing the plan of salvation in and of itself isn't going to save us. But it's... It helps you, know, you understand it, a lot of what the gospel does. is about. Absolutely. Another thing I've, I've jotted down here is uh, this, the other standard works besides the Bible and the Book of Mormon. They're important, um, but perhaps not quite as important as the Bible and the Book of Mormon. That's the Pearl of Great Price and... Uh, um, Doctrine and, Doctrine and Covenants, those certainly are important. Um, but uh, then another one I have down here is uh, the commandments. Again, that's kind of borderline on need to know, because if you don't know the commandments, <laughs> how do you know what God expects of you? you got to know what he expects of you. To be obedient. In order to be able to be, you know, return to him. You know, what's the, what are the requirements to return? And what do I have to do? Well, you got to keep the commandments. So those commandments, they, they, it could be argued that they, could, they should be in the need-to-know area. I'll let you decide where you want to put them. And, f and there's another one I put down uh, for nice to know is how do we best serve in our uh, church callings? How do we best serve our neighbors? How do we best minister to other people? It's nice to know those things because that will help us be certainly a better person. Um, but in and of itself, that's not going to be Save saving us. us you know? <laughs> so then that brings us to the fourth circle. And that's the largest one on the outside. And that's what uh, President Paul Dunn called the stupid to know. And every time we said that, everyone just kind of smiles and, go, and starts laughing because we're, we all want to know the mysteries of the God. The mysteries, that's exactly. The things that are kind of fun to talk about and we want to know, but we're not going to know. <laughs> and it's speculative and, you know, there are all kinds of opinions on these things. And sometimes we get 
we get off track in uh, either a priesthood or relief society or Sunday school class lessons dwelling on these kinds of topics that aren't going to save us, that's for sure. But sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they are fun. I just jotted down, we jotted down a couple. For instance, when was the earth formed and how did it occur? Another is, um, how about the theory of evolution? Is that correct? Where did the dinosaurs come from? It, uh, was polygamy a correct principle? Why can't women hold the priesthood? Or do they hold the priesthood? Why was the priesthood held back from the blacks? How about the, where, where was the Garden of Eden? <laughs> and, and this ongoing challenge between science and religion, where science requires you to be able to prove things, and yet religion says, no, you don't have to prove things. You learn to go by faith. Well, those are, those are important discussions, but they, I can tell you, they're not going to save you. And you can get really wallowing in the mire in, in some of those, what he called, stupid to know areas, um, or perhaps unnecessary to know might be a kinder term uh, in that. Uh, so there's our target. Must know area, need to know, nice to know and the stupid to know. And this is so important to us, mainly because we want our missionaries, our children, and our grandchildren to stay on the right path. And some of it comes with maturity and longevity in the church, and you start to understand more and more as the older you get. But we just want you to stay with us. Didn't President Paul Dunn say something to you about um, hanging on to his coattails? Well, yeah, that, there was a, a time in my uh, life when I, 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 well, I was 19 or 20, and, and I'd uh, had my amputation, and I was taking an, a, a class up at the University of Utah in anthropology. Nobody, I had been set apart as a missionary when I, just before I had my amputation, and then I had my amputation, and I didn't go on my mission at that point but nobody ever released me as a full-time missionary. So I called up um, Elder Joseph Fielding Smith, and he was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles at the time, and I made an appointment to go see him, one, so that I could get released as a full-time missionary, and two, I wanted to talk with him about some things regarding uh, the dinosaurs these, and the Neanderthal <laughs> man and the Cro-Magnon man and the evolution stuff. So I, I, I went up to his office up at the church office building one day, and I go into his office, and we had, a, I don't know, maybe a 20 or 30-minute conversation, and I explained to him that what had happened with my, my amputation, that I didn't get to go on my mission, but I hadn't been released as a missionary, and I'd like to have somebody release me. And he said, okay, you're released. <laughs> and that, that, that took care it. of that. That took care of that. And Short then, and sweet. what? Short and sweet. Yeah, I was. So then I uh, I asked him some of these questions about this anthropology uh, 
class that I was taking about how the earth was formed and how old it was. And These were the stupid to know, my love. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> it was. It really was. Anyway, he, uh, he started giving me a bunch of answers and, uh, that had to do with carbon dating, and he repeated himself several times. And I'm telling you, I came out of that, that visit... I don't mean to be disrespectful here, but I thought, oh my gosh, he is nothing more than an old, senile man. And if he ever becomes the president of the church, I got a big problem. So what did you do? So, um, well, uh, you know, a year later, I end up uh, getting another mission call. And now to be able to go to the um, the New England mission in Boston in that area, and so now while I'm on my mission there, the the current president of the church died, and guess who becomes the next president of the church? Joseph Fielding Smith. And you were concerned. I was concerned. I had a significant problem. I, a little bit of a faith crisis there. I, I did. How, how am I supposed to go into people's homes and tell them that we have a living prophet on the earth today when I don't even believe it myself? I, I, I couldn't do it. So uh, I had an interview one day with my mission president. That happened again, B. Paul H. Dunn, whom I loved dearly. And he was so helpful in my life. Anyway, uh, in our interview, he finally said, well, is there anything that you're concerned about that I can help you with? And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, there is. I've got a serious concern about Joseph Fielding Smith as a prophet today. And then I, I told President Dunn about my experience with him and that I felt that he was just an old man and that uh, um, he didn't really know what he was talking about then I will never forget what President Dunn said to me after that, which was, he said, Elder Jepson, I understand uh, your concern. He said, I know that there are times when President Smith is an old man. He said, but I have been privileged to be able to sit in some of those councils with President Joseph Fielding Smith, and I have seen the times when he acted as a prophet of God, and I've seen some times when he acted as simply an old man. And what I need you to do, he said, well, then he said, do you, do you have trust in me? And I said, yes, of course I trust you. He said, then I want you to place your faith and testimony relying on my faith and testimony that President Smith is a prophet of God. Then he looked me right in the eye and said, because I know that he is a prophet of God. Well, that was very helpful to me. Um, I, I went from there to diligently asking Heavenly Father in prayer over the next several weeks to know if what President Dunn had told me was true. 
And in time, the Lord helped me to know in my heart that it was true, that I had been wrong. There, there were times when he was an old man, but there were times clearly when he was a prophet of God and that uh, what President Dunn had shared with me was correct. Well, I, my little story when I realized that President Nelson was the prophet. John, um, Grandpa, your dad and I have, a, have an opportunity to greet the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve on Thursday when they come to the temple. Occasionally it's our turn to greet them. And President Monson had passed away a couple weeks before, and President Nelson was walking down the tunnel of the temple and came up through the ramp through the baptistry where we meet them. And I had this overwhelming warmth come over my body as I shook President Nelson's hand, and I knew that he was the prophet of our Heavenly Father. I haven't had that with anybody else, but it was a wonderful feeling to know that he is a prophet. And so as, um, John, you've been relating that story, I just want our children, like I said, and our grandchildren, missionaries, to know that we know that our Heavenly Father lives and loves us and that our Savior is the Redeemer of the world and has atoned for each one of us and that Joseph Smith was a prophet and did see the Father and the Son. Spring morning. Thank you, Bonnie. That, that, what a great experience for you to have had with it President was. Nelson just recently. I, I think that's fantastic. Well, so in conclusion, I want you to be able to recognize that for us, at least for me, when I have difficulties with faith about any particular issue that may be occurring in the church or, um, or in my own life, I need to go find my safe place at times. I need to, to be fortified in my faith. So I go to my safe place, which is my must-know area on the target. You see, like Bonnie just said, I know God lives. I know it with all of my heart. And I know that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the Redeemer of the world. Now, it's true that neither Bonnie nor I have seen them or, or heard them or uh, anything like that. But we both know in our hearts that they live, that they love us, that they know us, and they desire for us to be happy. There's that saying that I love, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. That's exactly right. And in, in the wonderful statements from the, both the Savior, where he talked about be believing, President Hinckley taught us the importance of be believing, and the Savior himself, who taught us when he said, doubt not. Now, does that mean that we can't have doubts and that we shouldn't challenge things? No, it doesn't mean that at all. 
But we strive to be able to have faith, even when we don't understand, even when we, we may not like the results that are coming out of a, a given issue. But if we have this safe place where we can go and have our faith fortified and strengthened that will help us to get through some of those difficult times, I can assure you, we will all be better off. Plus, you and I have chosen to believe. And that's a big part. Absolutely. And that is the topic of another conversation on another night. Okie dokie. Okay. Well, it's been great to be with you tonight. Uh, it's uh, um, Again, we're so happy it's the Christmas season. Bonnie has got our home looking all Christmassy. Like the Griswold. Oh my Christmas gosh, you ought to see all the lights outside. They're everywhere. And <laughs> I like lights. <laughs> that is the truth. Because it, it, the, the winter is so dark and cold and sometimes dreary and the lights light brighten up the the world and in celebrating of the Savior's birth. And so. they sure do and you do a beautiful job with everything you did outside and inside. Cool. And look at you. You are a light just to look at. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. We belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We know who we are. We know God's plan. We'll follow Him in faith. We believe in the Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll honor His do what is right, we'll follow His light, His truth we will proclaim. Well, that's it from Notes from John. With a babble from Bond. Have a great night, everyone. We love you. <laughs>